2 Samuel 5.12. We sort of look into the character of uh, David. Oh, no. 2 Samuel chapter 5. And David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people. Here we see David's character and probably one of the reasons why God chose him to be king. Because, see, David understood it wasn't about him at all. It was all about God And it was all about God loving his people. And you know, I thought about this and every Christian leader, no matter what position that you hold or what ministry that you serve in, how much a pastor and a leader would learn if he remembered this. It's all about him. And it's all about God's people. If God is blessing a ministry, and God is blessing our church, amen? But it's all about God's people. It's not about the pastor of the church. It's not about the worship band. It's not about the neat classes and and the programs that we got going on. It's all about God. Loving his people. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. See, God can take people like you and me with imperfections, flaws, people like me, and God can do a wonderful, mighty work. If God has somebody that's after his own heart, that desires to seek after God and to please God. No matter how off track David got, no matter how wrong David was, David always made it right before God. Because he was always after God's own heart. And to please God. How well you and I would do if our sole desire was to please God and to seek after him with all our heart. I want you to turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Starting at verse 1. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000... And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. See, this is written by Samuel, prophet. And a prophet honored God and had such a reverence for God that he wouldn't even say his name. He would say, the one of the name. He wouldn't even try and pronounce the name. 
And he says, so they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Esau and Aho, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. One of the first things David wanted to do as king was to return the ark of God back to Jerusalem. It had been in Jerkath, Jerem, about 20 years, and he wanted to bring it back as a step towards, once again, making God the center of the children of Israel. His desire that his first activity as king would be to establish their spiritual walk with God. He had a great heart for what he desired. The problem was David consulted his military leaders, his friends, probably talked to his worship team. He consulted everyone but God in what he was going to do. He had the very best of human advice and tried to do it man's way. That is always a mistake. It says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Isn't it true? You see, guys, we can have the best of intentions and even have a heart to do the right thing. But if we don't talk to God, if we don't look to God's word, and we don't get on our knees and pray, we easily get on our own track, our own agenda, and start doing God's way, our way. If we don't pray and seek God, we're headed down a disaster We need to look to God's word for guidance and instruction. God's word never fails. It never lies. It never changes. It should be where we always find our answers. Amen? They put the ark on a new cart. You have to understand, David heard that the Philistine had did, the, did this exact same thing. And they put it on a new cart. But see, it was a disaster for the Philistines. But David thought, that's pretty clever. Let's try that. See, God had, had given, gave David and the children of Israel instructions how the, how the ark of God was to be carried It was to be carried by the priests, the Levitical priests. They were not to touch it. They were to put poles through both of the sides. They were to to sanctify themselves before they even went near it. They put poles through the side rings of the ark, and they carried it upon their shoulders. And, And I thought, why... Such instructions. The reason was, is that the children of Israel would see them carrying the ark, see them sanctify and purify themselves and cleanse themselves, and they would think, 
this is God. This is a holy God. And they would realize this is special. And what God wanted to do was he wanted to dwell in their, in their presence. He wanted to be in the middle of their camp. And it says that if anyone touched the ark, they would die. They were to take the presence seriously and obey God's word. I think us as a church, we run into danger today when we borrow the methods of the world. Because we think we have a good idea. We think God wants a big church. But wouldn't God want that? Well, how do we grow? How do we make it grow? So a lot of churches, they'll, they'll go out and they'll get specialists in this field of how to feel a church. And they'll devise and they'll bring up gimmicks and programs and ways to feel a large church, a mega church. And this is the way the worship should be. And it becomes a production And, and it feels churches, it, it's successful in what it cl- claims and what it aims to do. But it's seeker-friendly churches. And almost nobody's saved. The preachers are told what to teach and what not to teach. And these are words you don't use. You don't use hell, judgment, sin, Devil, repentance, judgment. And they, they use happy, friendly words. Joy. And their, their sermons are filled with joy and happiness. And you've got to be happy. And God is a God of joy. He's also a God of judgment. And if you're not saved, you are going to hell. Amen, John. You know, we run into, when we adopt the methods of the world, it always turns out a disaster. Let's read on. Verse 4, And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanied the ark, And Aho went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord. And all kinds of instruments of fir wood on harps and on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Now you got a picture, as I do in my head. I don't want you to enter my head. It's scary there. But there's no mention of Levitical priests. There's no mention of ceremonial cleansing. David just thought and assumed that God would just be pleased if he got the ark into Jerusalem. You got a picture. David is dressed in his finest 
king's outfit, kingly robe, king's crown. Ding, 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 ding. He's tuning his guitar. He breaks out his greatest hit psalm book, which he wrote. And they start playing before the Lord. And David's thinking, what a great thing I'm doing for God. But it wasn't about God at all. See, it was supposed to be the Levitical priests also that were trained in playing music that would play the songs. And this, at this point, it was all about David. We can so easily get caught up in what we're doing in all the ministries that we're doing that we forget it's about him. And, and, and I think sometimes when we get together and we worship or we get together to serve, have we really bowed down and prayed? Have we really brought it before the Lord? See, he was doing his own thing. Or at least at this point he was. And so often we're doing our own thing for God. See, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And often our hearts are far from him when we serve. We end up doing what's right in our own eyes. Verse 6. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Usah put on his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Usah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Usah. And he called the name of the place Perez Usah to this day. What that means is outburst against Usah. Verse 9, And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? I remember the first time going through the Bible and reading this, and it really troubled me. Why would God strike Usah dead? Because he, he was one of the sons of Abinadab. And their whole family watched after the ark of God. And David asked Usah to, to carry the... I, I picture in my head that Usah was probably uh, in charge of the ox to pull the ark, trained in, 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 in pulling cattle, not trained in pulling the ark of God. And when it says here, for his error, what that means in the Hebrew is for his lack of reverence. See, it didn't start with Usah pulling the cart. It started with David's lack of reverence. And the whole children of Israel striking up the band. See, it says the whole children of Israel grabbed their instruments 
And they were playing before the Lord. But they weren't playing to him. And it strikes me that God takes his presence serious. When we gather in this place, the Lord meets us here. This should never be a place where people are worshiping and other people are talking. It should never be a place where we're worshiping and some people are talking on cell phones. God takes his presence serious and he takes his worship serious. David didn't think it was a big deal as, as how they moved the ark. But God did. And God always does. God takes his worship serious. And when we gather together in this place, literally, literally God is here. There should always be a reverence for God's presence. In violation of the commandment of the Lord, the anger of the Lord was aroused. And I wanted to say this. A holy fear for the Lord is so important. Disobeying God should send shivers down our spine. Sometimes we take him lax, laxly. This was so important because at this point, God had to teach David a lesson. Because David was about to go into battle. And if David did not learn to get on his knees before the Lord and take every matter before him, it would cost not just Esau, but it would cost all the children of Israel. I want to read for you a verse in, in 1 Chronicles. And it says, Then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord said, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hands. So they went up to, to Baal, Perazim, and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. And then it says, Then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God. And God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Circle around them and come up in front of of the mulberry trees. And you have to understand, God's instructions was different the second time. If David would have just assumed, well, God said that he would give them into my hands and went into battle, they wouldn't have won. God says, no, this is how you do it. See, David, at this point, had learned at reverence of the Lord. And he took every matter before his God.
David was learning to fear God. With fear comes reverence. Verse 10. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belonged to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. I want you to read because you get another you get another version in in First Chronicles of David's heart at this point, and it said David called Zadok and Biathar the priest, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eli. And Aminadab, and he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, and you and your brethren, that you may bring the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves and brought up the ark of the Lord, God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders. By its poles, as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers, accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, and symbols. I looked into the Hebrew and that, and what that means is guitars and drums. So if you ever want to know if guitars and drums are in the Bible, it's right here. <laughs> you believe me, don't you, John? <laughs> and by raising the voice with re- resounding joy. See, David was doing it right. David began to take God more seriously. And you've got to understand what David did was he went home, got on his knees and prayed, went back to the law, and looked at what God said about this whole matter. And you see real repentance. He, he didn't say, well, you guys didn't do it right. He says, we didn't do it right. We messed up, guys. And he made sure they did it right. He said, you guys sanctify yourself. And what that t- told the nation of Israel, because they would watch this, and they would watch the whole thing of the, the washing and the cleaning and the covering of the ark. And they would say, 
This is a righteous God. This is a holy God. This is a God that's to be taken serious. Verse 13, And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sanctified, he sacrificed oxen and fattened sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel bought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looking through a window and saw David leaping and and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. The way I read this, when it says he was wearing a linen ephod, he stripped down of his kingly outfit. He took off his crown, put down his guitar, and he was wearing the outfit of a common person. He was wearing the outfit of a priest. And all a priest was is a servant. And when you, and you, when you read that David danced with all his might, What, he, what it was saying was that he was just so filled full of joy that he couldn't help but dance. David was celebrating with joy before the Lord. We see, we see here the spirit and the enthusiasm of David that loved God. He was excited about the Lord. You know, it is inspiring to see and watch a leader that is excited about the Lord. It's exciting to see David, uh, I mean Jackie, serving and worshiping and teaching God's word. Because he's excited. And that's inspiring, isn't it? When you see somebody that's in love with Jesus. But let me tell you, gang, this is a Wednesday night. And every one of us are leaders in the church. You're hardcore here. And you know something? You're inspiring somebody. If you've got children... God has called you to inspire your children. And you've got to understand that the children of Israel are looking at David and they're watching him dance and they're following his example. So they're all dancing and singing to the Lord. Do we inspire people for Jesus? I have to ask myself because as a worship leader, sometimes I get so caught up in the details 
of putting a set together, getting the worship practice together, getting the instruments in tune together, and getting us to play in harmony and, and getting the voices right. And I forget to lay it down before the Lord. Because it's good to get all that stuff together, but it comes to that point when you enter in and you say, we did the best we did, Lord. We could. Now it's yours. And what happens sometimes, I'll get to looking at this and, and getting to looking at this, and there'll be somebody in the front row that will remind me it's all about him. Whether it's somebody crying or just somebody just, you know, lifting their hands and they're just filled with joy. And I'm reminded, what an awesome God we serve. And he's so worthy of our praise. And it's not about the songs. It's not about the set. It's about him. See, it says the children of Israel were watching David. And they were inspired. You know, I just wanted to mention, not all, all who watched David were inspired. Michael, his wife, see, she had, had nothing to do with the ark of God. She was watching through a window. And she seen David dancing in his underwear. And she despised him in her heart. And I'm always reminded there's always critics in the church, amen? They won't like what you do. And it doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to like it. Because their heart is far from him. I remember one Sunday, I had a lady come over and she grabbed my arm and she goes, I like those old hymns. You just need to do more of those. So the following Sunday, I went and, and we did... Three old hymns. I had someone come over to me and say, too many old hymns. (laughs) Old hymns, old hymns, old hymns. And I thought, I cannot be a people pleaser. It always has to be about him. Lord, what do you want me to do? What did you think of the worship today? Was our heart right before you? Because it's not always, is it? A lot of times it becomes about us. And we could be singing songs and we could be wrapping it up and we could be looking at our watch and we could be thinking, well, which place do I want to go eat? And we're not even thinking about him. Verse 17 So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And then David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among the people among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, 
to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people departed, everyone to his place. You know, I was touched by that when I read that because something I never seen before. David's anger had turned to fear. His fear to righteous fear. His righteous fear. To adoration, then to gladness, to joy. And see, we, re- we get to see humility in David. See, to be humble is not something we are. It's not something we become. It's something you do. And it always causes one to serve others. And you look at David, and he's serving the children of Israel. It says, and David gave out. He handed the bread out. He handed the meat out. And David was practicing true humility. Because true humility will cause you to place others above yourself. Verse 20, then David returned and blessed his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maidservants of of his servants. And one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his household to appoint me ruler over the people of of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. He was, God was making David a true leader at this point. And he says, it is before the Lord that I did this. It was for him. It wasn't for you, Michael. He says, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. I will be humble Before God. What made David great in God's eyes? And I I often thought about that. He had a shepherd's heart. See, he wasn't the greatest in the family of Jesse. He was the least in the family. Remember, they took all of the sons of Jesse before the Lord and before the prophet Samuel. And they were all rejected. And Samuel says, is there any more? And they said, well, not really. 
Well, we do have this scrawny kid that's out in the field watching the sheep. This is my, my, my interpretation. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, well, bring him. But see, that shepherd's heart, because David had learned by shepherding these sheep that the Lord was always before him, that the Lord would always see him through. And David had a heart for the sheep. And that's what a shepherd does. He, he thinks of the sheep first. One's missing, he goes off to get it. And whatever it takes to save the sheep, he would put his life on the line. And you see a shepherd, when I read this story, it just touched my heart because you see that shepherd's heart. That David understood God loves his people. It's not about me at all. It's not about my greatness. You know, I'm a great king. You know, look at me. Why wouldn't God use me? It was all about God. And God was taking David to that special place where God could use him in a mighty way. Was David perfect? Far from it. The guy had more flaws than, than probably anybody in the Bible. A murderer, an adulterer, a fool. Like some of you and me. Broken. Unusable by anybody else but God. Amen? Do you got a slide up here of um, Ecclesiastes 12? I wanted to read this. Because this, uh, this is David's son in old age write, writing to his son. And this is what he said. He, the preacher sought to find acceptance, acceptable words. And what was written was upright. Words of truth, the words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails, given to one shepherd, and further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. He says, this is man's all. Love and reverence God. That holy fear. And written by Solomon, you've got to understand, he did everything. He did everything that was right in his own eyes. Richest man, the wisest man, but yet a fool. And he says, this is the whole matter. Love God and keep his commandments.
David was finally got it right. And she wasn't about to take his joy away. He said, Michael, this wasn't about you and this wasn't about me. This was about the God I serve. And you would never understand unless you were out there with the people. Don't be surprised one of these Sunday mornings if you see me put down my guitar and start spinning and twirling. (laughs) Remember, you read it here first. (laughs) I know know Jackie will put down his guitar and follow, follow suit. I love the story of David because you really get to look at a man that loved God. And I love how the Bible points out all of the saints' flaws because it gives me encouragement that God can use me too. Joni, I tell you, I make a lot of mistakes. I got a lot of flaws. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, uh, Lord, uh, and this time together in your word, Lord. Lord, teach us your ways. Lord, help us to be men and women of your word, men and women of prayer. Lord, that we would seek your favor. Lord, that we would seek your approval and your guidance, Lord God, in all that we do, Lord. May the, nothing, nothing that you see here, Lord, be about us or about our ministry or about us looking good, Lord. Lord, in all that we do, Lord, help us to remember that you love your people. And Lord, uh, you add to your church as you see fit. Lord, we just praise you and we just want to give you honor in all that we do. Lord, we just uh, love you. In Jesus' name, amen.